right. It is a Thursday afternoon here in Brooklyn, New York, Soundcast FM. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. We were off yesterday. Just want to give a huge shout out to everybody that came out to the Media Talks Open Symposium panel discussion at SUNY College at Old Westbury. Had the honor of just being up there with some of the greatest. Well, yeah, I can say that because not even the people that were just on the panel, but we were just surrounded by so many future media professionals and current media professionals at the event. And I just feel good about doing it because it's important to pass down that knowledge. And I've been in this business for a little bit now, and I remember starting off in college and not having that mentor around my age that can you know just give me like a little bit of a of a preview of what to expect and that's really what the event is about and it's just really great that we could do it every single year it's only the second year of it so far but um I, I really enjoyed it it's it's based for just studio westbury because that is my alma mater and i feel like that is one of my main things that i want to give back to my alma mater and especially in the media communications department because it's done a lot for me, obviously for the career, but just my life in general. And um, that's my way of giving back. And it's hopefully something that will continue to grow every year. But uh, everyone that came out yesterday, uh, it, w- it was a great time. Shout out to all the alumni. And uh, it was, like I said, something we're going to continue doing and I'm going to continue promoting it as well. It's what's needed in not just SUNY Old Westbury, but everywhere within our community just to really grow and continue to uplift. With that being said, uplift is a very important word for the simple fact that the New York Knicks need that in a head coach, a head coach that will uplift them to finally make the playoffs next year. Because it's not going to happen this year. Oh no, it's definitely not happening. As you all know, the Knicks have been mathematically eliminated from playoff contention and they are leaning towards believe it or not they are leaning towards bringing back Kurt Rambis who took over for Derek Fisher after he was let go in February Kurt Rambis may still keep his job even though the team struggled under him now we could all say because he's a Phil Jackson guy that's one of the main reasons or there may not be many candidates but I'm going to really just spend some time because the Knicks are a mess within itself. And and I want to spend some time trying to figure out who do the Knicks have in mind for a head coaching job besides Rambis, just in case Rambis isn't the guy. And um, of course, it will take your suggestions. Number 516-900-2278. But it's, it's just, it boggles my mind that Kurt Rambis is still the guy he wants as the head coach. And it can't be because of the triangle, because I feel like the Knicks stopped running the triangle a long time ago. I don't know what they run now. Granted, they've done a lot better this year than last year, but can you really count that? They won twice as many games, I think. Well, not even twice as many games. What am I talking about? They're close to it. But I, like I said, I'm not excited. And this is New York City. We want winners. 
we're not all for the whole rebuilding. Let's take a long time. Let's win 10 extra games every year. No, it's playoffs or bust. That's the that's the motto. It's odd seeing the fact that you have great players like a Carmelo Anthony. And he just when he puts on a Knicks uniform, everything just seems to change for him. Granted, Porzingis, we have him. He's a great, you know, I think a great young player. Fantastic rookie year for what you expected from a guy that's never played in America. To not only get used to a country, get used to a brand new, like, system in which you play basketball. Get used to 82 games, you know, schedule, not even counting the preseason and all the training games he was in for the summer league. The guy's done a fantastic transition, and that's something I think you do got to give Phil Jackson a lot of credit for. He was the main person that, that just found Porzingis, and he said, you know what, this is my guy no matter what. Chris asked Porzingis. So now, moving forward, what is the plan? You got this young budding star in Porzingis. Severe question marks at the guard positions. I mean, Tony Rowan, I think, is going to be a decent player off the bench next year. I don't think he's a starter. Where do we make the upgrade? How is Brandon Jennings the answer? Like, that, these are the questions that in this hour I kind of want to get figured out. Is the guard positions for the Knicks and the head coaching position? And this, it's really just seems to be up in the air. I do, however, I do, however, for, I really think that when you look at head coaches, you got to look at guys that may be more suited for the defensive side of the ball. I missed an old Knicks, and I, and I know a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? But I missed the old Knicks that were just a great defensive team. I missed the games where we used to edge out the Miami Heat like 81 to 80, you know, 75 to 77, those games. And it wasn't because it was bad shooting. It was just grinded out great defensive games. The Pat Riley, Jeff Van Gundy years. The first name that pops up for me is Tom Thibodeau. Former Bulls head coach. I believe he was an assistant with the Knicks during those times. It just makes the most sense. He went a hard-nosed coach, but... I guess the biggest question mark when you say hard-nosed coach, he's not going to run the triangle. That's just not happening. And will Carmelo Anthony buy in? Melo, as great as an offensive player he's, he's been, and, and don't get me wrong, he's gotten better with his all-around game. He's not known for his defense. Is it even possible that he could really fit in with this style? As a Carmelo Anthony fan, I hope he can. If he really wants to win, I think Tom Thibodeau is the is really the pick. It's a no-nonsense coach. We need a no-nonsense coach. And I'm saying we because clearly I'm a Knicks fan. Also on the show today, before I go off my rant, I have plenty of time to do that this hour. We will be talking UFC. All the different storylines that are going on there. As you know, UFC is now legal in New York. So you're going to have UFC matches in New York City. 
Also, CM Punk, what's the situation with him? Is he injured? Is he ever gonna fight in UFC? Holly, you know, the whole Holly Holmes situation after she lost. What does that mean for Ronda Rousey? Like, these are the stories that, that are just, you know, Conor McGregor. There's so many stories now in UFC. And the only person I know that can uh, break that down is uh, Anthony Chalute. And he's going to be chiming in a little bit later in the show. Get his thoughts. Does a great job for keeping the real sports. Follows MMA. And I, I do believe he trains as well and competes in MMA. So he's going to have plenty of insight for all you UFC fans out there. We also got baseball. The San Diego Padres are the first team. I don't know if you've heard about this. They are the first team in Major League Baseball history to start off the first three games of the year without a run. They have been held scoreless the first three games of the season. All three games at home. That is as horrible as it gets, especially if you're a San Diego Padres fan. Three straight games you get shut out? At home? My goodness, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, granted, you, you know, I'm not going to say there's many San Diego Padres fans here in New York or most parts of the country, but for your franchise, right when you're excited for opening day, opening week, you know, everybody starts off fresh, clean slate, can't score a run. That that has to have you looking at the uh, manager just a little bit harder about his lineup cards and who he actually has on this team. I do believe Matt Kemp is on that team. Big surprise there. Yankees finally getting in the uh, win column. How about Sterling Castro? Guys just knocking in run after run after run. I was I told you guys in the preview special that. I was a Sterling Castro guy. I was all about that move. We finally have a second baseman again. It's been a while. Speaking of second baseman, our, our ex-second baseman, the one that we actually do count, Robinson Cano is starting to heat up already. And this is the complete opposite of the way he was last year. Last year, he struggled for most of the season. He's already started off hot. And... Uh, Hey, you never know. Seattle is that type of team that they can sneak up on you. That AOS always seems to be up for grabs. I'm going to be very, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they, they finish out. If Cano can stay hot, now that he's making all his big money, thanks to Jay-Z. Will the Mariners actually be a threat this year? That's going to be the biggest question mark. Also, we're going to be taking uh, any type of questions and uh, calls. And I, Well, let me actually mention this real quick because Mike Tyson yesterday, or I believe two days ago, he had the nerve to tweet out, you know, congratulations to um, <laughs> the Cincinnati women's basketball team for winning their fourth straight national title. I think it's good that Mike Tyson is paying attention to... Um, Women's basketball, college basketball. Only problem is he got the wrong team. That, of course, has been deleted by now, but he, the Yukon Huskies won their fourth straight national title. 
So, Mike, you were close. You know, you got the right conference. It was the Big East, so you were right about that. But uh, Cincinnati and Connecticut, two different teams, two different uh, schools completely. But, hey, Mike, you know what? That's half the battle. The fact that you acknowledged it was, you know, was a good start. Good start. But uh, Connecticut did as expected, and they uh, took out Syracuse in the national title game on Tuesday. Just a great all-around effort by UConn. And, and you know, it's funny because you see a team like UConn, and if we were talking about this with uh, Sue Favor on Tuesday, Tuesday's show. They're a team that's just always going to be in the mix when it comes to winning. The, uh, the recruiting is top-notch. Everybody that's a, a women's basketball player in high school, they're talking already UConn. It doesn't matter what it is. UConn's the number one choice for everyone. It's never going to be a fall-off. It's just not. Now, what happens in regards to the rest of the schools? I mean, I do believe that... I do believe that, for example, the um, Notre Dame team is always good, besides the years they had Sky, Sky Diggins. But when it comes to that... Just the, the it's just the fact that when it comes to facing a team like UConn that has all the top recruits from around the country, it's almost impossible. But hey, what do I know? Number again, 516-900-2278 at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter as well as on Instagram. I'm going to step aside for a bit. And like I said, I'm going to dive fully into this whole Knicks discussion and really just getting a full understanding of what they're looking at, what they what they even want to do. Because I'm I'm still surprised and like. Not even, I don't even know the word surprise It's more like confused as to what the Knicks plan is. So we're definitely going to dive into that. But of course, get into a little bit of music. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton. We'll be right back. No dickity, no doubt. Play on, play at Play on, play at Yo, Trey, drop the verse. It's going down, fade to Black Street. The homies got at me, collab creations. Bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, that dog couldn't catch me. Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shakers. Shutting it down, good lord. Baby got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much ground, got game by the town. Getting paid is a forte, each and every day. True play away, I can't get her out of my mind. Wow, I think about the girl all the time. Wow, wow. East side to the west side, pushing fat rides, it's no surprise. She got tricks in the stash, stacking up the cash fast when it comes to the gas. By no means average. 
song when she's got to have it Baby, you're a perfect 10 I wanna get in Can I get down so I can I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up She's got class and style She knowledge by the time Baby never act wild Very low key on the profile Catching feelings is a no Let me tell you how it goes Curves the word, spins the verb Lovers it curves so freak what you heard Rolling with the fatness You don't even know what the half is You got to pay to play Just for shorty bang bang to look your way I like the way you work it Trump tight all day, every day You're blowing my mind, maybe in time Baby, I can get you in my ride I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up, bag it up, babe. I like the way you work it. Yeah. No diggity, no diggity. First class from New York City to Black Street. What you know about me? Now don't I'm saying Cartier wooded frame sported by my shorty. As for me, icy gleaming pinky diamond ring. We bees to buy this click up on this scene. Ain't you getting bored with these fake vagrants? How shows improves, no doubt. I've been thinking so. Please excuse if I come across rude. That's just me, and that's how a play it's got to be. Stay kicking game with a capital G. Ask the peoples on my block, I'm as real as can be. Word is born. Faking moves never been my thing. So, Teddy, pass the worm to your skin, Chauncey. I'll be sending the call, let's say around 3 30. Queen Pin and Black. No diggity, no I like the way you work it. No diggity, I got the bag. Good, it go I like the way you work it. No diggity, no And we're back. Sports Social with Ed East. And once again, 516-900-2278. Now, I'm still thinking about this whole Knicks debacle and just what the plan is going forward, especially with the head coaching position. And the funny thing is, since no one seems to know what they want to do, Let's look back at what Phil Jackson thinks. Because Phil Jackson, let's be honest, he has all the cards. Until Dolan steps in, and I don't think Dolan's going to step in right away, he's going to do whatever he wants. But let's just take a little trip back 
and think about what Phil Jackson really was saying. Because remember, he fired he fired Derek Fisher at the beginning of February, before the All Star break. Inserted Kurt Rambis. But if anybody's just curious, like like I am, as to what he wants to do with him. And what he wants to do in terms of a head coach and what he looks for in a head coach. Let's get an understanding from the man himself. And this is from his interview right after the right after the firing of Derek Fisher, just hearing his feedback off of it. So I just want to take a trip back and uh, listen to this interview because I'm still going to decipher what Phil Jackson is essentially trying to do with the New York Knicks because we we just don't know. We just really don't know. But uh, this is from February 10th. Phil Jackson spoke with the media regarding the uh, head coaching change and the firing of Derek Fisher. Well, as you know, today we made the uh, move to uh, relieve Derek of his coaching duties. I use that word relieve as a carefully because I know it's a relief for him taking away some of that stress of a job, but it also is a uh, person I've had a long relationship with and care deeply about, and uh, we hope for his success. But it's time for us to make a change and turn this team around and move forward and get some wins and keep going down the road we had started here at the beginning of the year. Um, Kurt Ramos will be the interim coach. We're not uh, in a coaching hunt looking for anybody else. He was associate head coach. I have complete confidence in his ability to coach this team. He's had plenty of experience. Was there something that made you make the move today or was it an accumulation? I think his nine losses out of the last ten games. I think it's business of winning. I think that, uh, you know, obviously there's some games in which we didn't get off to a very good start recently and you know uh, but I, I think Derek was prepared I think he took this business seriously I think he was a dedicated worker uh, so some of that onus is on the players and I let them know that today so I know at the beginning of the year you didn't monitor the expectations of what, what you thought of this but with this move is a signal that maybe you think that this team should be better should be a playoff team um, I, you know, I, I didn't react to Derek's comments last week about, you know, playoffs not being important or whatever is not a measure. There was, you know, the understanding was that turning around a team that's won 17 games and making a 40 win, 42 win or whatever season out of it or more is a very remarkable task. And it's not been, it's not been duplicated very often in this league. But saying that, we still thought our players could be playing better, and we think that um, there's a there's a way for them to play better that we should see. Um, and so, it's always the statements: a lot easier to fire a coach than 15 players. Um, fortunately, it's not always the coach's fault. Some of it's about the communication. Some of it's about. And what's going on? We had Carmelo injured. There's a number of guys injured a week and a half ago. Those are, those are all things that are beyond our control, and we understand that. But we want this team to be competitive in a day-in, day-out situation. 
though you obviously made a decision to hire someone who had no coaching experience, uh, or you'll, I mean, you regret the decision, are you okay with the way that played out? Would you do it differently this time around? Derek's moved his uh, team forward in a fashion I am proud to say we asked, we thanked him for, you know, his dedication. And uh, they instilled this work ethic in our guys, I think it's really good. Um, that I was able to surround him with some very experienced coaches, uh, and he had support staff. I think that was really important too. Uh, if he didn't take advantage of that, maybe that's part of it. Um, that uh, you know, Kurt, Jim Clemens, some of the guys that have had experience, uh, detail experience, uh, and you know, Derek hired some young guys that came in and have helped him and have a really good work ethic to kind of meet a standard that he likes. But there wasn't really a consensus in our, our staff, and we, we decided we needed to have a real good consensus in the working staff, interchanging of ideas and communication. Phil, so when, you, when, you, when you say you're not looking for another coach besides Kurt at this point, is that something you're going to reassess at the end of the season? I mean, what, what's the plan moving forward? There's always, uh, you're always looking at teams, how they're playing, what teams are dedicated uh, to their work. They have good principles, skills, you know, so it's just obviously stands out. So we, we, we see that, um, you know, that's all, that's all part of basketball. Um, did I have a list of guys? No, I don't. Phil, how much of your vision for the ideal coach for this team is someone you're personally familiar with, have a relationship with, with coaching, or is from your coaching tree, how important is that to you? Um, it's always good to have a relationship. It's not paramount, but uh, at some point I'm going to have to have a relationship with someone that's going to coach this team. I mean, that's just the way it works. Communication has to be uh, there in a job like that. Does the next coach have to run the triangle offense? He has to. The, the uh, system of basketball is what's important. We're, we're talking about a system here. And this happens to be a system that you know we, we're familiar with, so it's not paramount. It's important. There's some obvious uh, free agent candidates that you can talk about for you if you want. Guys like Thibodeau, guys like um, Mark Jackson, Brian Shaw. Are those guys you will consider? Um, you know, I haven't thought about it. It's just a day that's uh, you've been a crash course and dealing with what's happening here. Um, I know there's a lot of input. There always is a lot of input in this situation. Someone has to match the style of the way we do things. And there's a certain style that I have that I think works, and I found worked before. I don't know if all those people measure up to that because I don't know them well enough. But that's an important aspect, and we'll find that type of person. Bill, what are you looking for the rest of the season from this ball club, and what can the fans expect and hope for? We're looking for better starts, you know, getting out of the gate a little bit better, better finishes. We've not been a good team finishing games in the fourth quarter uh, this year. We're looking for our defense to get back to where it was, I think, earlier in the season. Uh, I thought we had a pretty good uh, defensive uh, stance as a basketball club. Uh, and then, you know, we're, we're looking for our players to play together in, in a way in which uh, brings out their best attributes. And we had a lot of what I considered standing around one-on-one -on -one kind of situational stuff in the game where you know, I like to see movement, ball movement, player movement that uh, you know, brings out you know, 
the best in the team. And I think that could be one of the standards we like to see happen. From the tip-off to hopes and dreams. And, the magic. and that was the uh, Phil Jackson press conference from MSG Networks. It was, I think it was around February 10th. This was the day of the firing of Phil ja of um sorry of Derek Fisher. And the main thing that I wanted to get out of it was the fact that he talks about who's the next coach. They suggested, you know, maybe Brian Shaw because Brian Shaw was an assistant all that time during the Lakers. Um, they, they'll throw out some other names, but he said they have to all fit the way they do things. And that basically means he's 100% in the person has to do the triangle. That's just what's going to be. He feels like it works, and, you know, you can't argue with him for the simple fact that he does have 11 championships, and that's the only style that he feels like works. That's really where you're stuck at. You're really stuck at the fact that he's not going to budge on the triangle offense. That is the offense that Phil Jackson's running no matter what. No matter what, it's going to be the triangle offense. So anybody that comes in to coach this Knicks team – you have to really think, you know, who's who's willing to do that. And I, I'm seeing like I'm getting a, a message now saying Patrick Ewing. It, Patrick Ewing, it just doesn't make sense to what Phil Jackson wants to do. For nostalgia reasons and for reasons where I feel like he's waited his turn and he's been a, an assistant for, I believe, over 10 years now. Yes, Patrick Ewing would be a good candidate, but at the same time, will he buy into what Phil Jackson wants to do? Does pa Patrick Ewing has never run the triangle offense. That's the biggest part of it. So you, you got to realize, if Patrick Ewing has never run the triangle offense, how is he going to be able to coach his Knicks team? Because that's what Phil Jackson wants. He's pretty much made it clear that he's not gonna, he's not gonna change his mind regarding that. It's a stubborn way of you know doing things, but uh, that's Phil Jackson. He's got his mind made up. I personally would love to have Patrick Ewing as the head coach. I would even like to have Mark Jackson as the head coach. I think Mark Jackson would be a better fit, but it all comes down to running the triangle offense. So we do have to think back to who Phil Jackson would want. And you got to also remember, Derek Fisher was never the first choice. The first choice was Steve Kerr, who rejected the offer and decided to coach the Warriors. And I think the rest is history, right? Derek Fisher knew he's not been the head coach. I think everyone knows that. But if you're gonna if they're gonna offer you the job, you're gonna take it. Derek Fisher was still stuck in player mode, in my opinion. A guy like Steve Kerr would have made the most sense because he's a guy that was removed from the game for a while in regards to being like a player. He was a GM, he was a commentator, but he still was a removed as a player. Derek Fisher had just retired the year prior and he takes over the team. We heard more about Derek Fisher off the court than we actually heard of any things, any great things he's done on the court. And I think that's where I have a problem with the situation. Because I don't think this guy was hired because he was a great point guard, because he definitely wasn't. Derek Fisher was a guy that could hit the outside shot when they kicked the ball out to him. But let's be realistic. There was no point guard necessary in the triangle offense. So why would we even be thinking Derek Fisher? I was never a big fan of the hiring. And 
obviously we are now starting to suffer because of it. I doubt Derek Fisher gets a head coaching job in the next five years, maybe an assistant coach job. I'm looking at other coaches, and I'm going to throw some names out there. Like I said Mark Jackson, Patrick Ewing. Everybody's going to think Patrick Ewing, but it's not going to happen. Tom Thibodeau, Brian Shaw. And I'm going to throw out this other name. What about Monty Williams? Now, obviously, Monty Williams, it can't co- he's not going to be the assistant coach for the rest of the year for the, for the Thunder because of the tragedy and losing his wife. But Monty Williams, I feel like, was a good coach, and he kind of got the shaft job in New Orleans. At least that's the way I saw it. I think give Monty Williams a chance to coach his team, you're going to have a pretty good situation here. The biggest question, will they? Will they allow for Monty Williams to even get an, an interview? Or would he even want to take that job? Drafted by the Knicks back in the day. Probably played maybe a couple of games because he had the heart condition early in his career. But he's proven to be a great assistant coach and pretty good head coach. I don't know. These are the questions. These are the one, plenty of millions of different questions when it comes to the Knicks. You know, when you talk about that head coaching position and Patrick Ewing, like I said, deserves an opportunity. But as long as Phil Jackson is the president and controlling the basketball operations, it's just not going to happen. It's just not. I know it's it's it sucks, but hey, that's just the way. That's the way it all kind of the cookie crumbles, as they say. I do want to see them actually interview real people, and not just say, "Okay, well, uh, I know this person. Let me just give it to him." I hope it doesn't become a situation like that because every Knicks fan is going to push back on it. That's just going. To, that's just what it's going to be. It's it's a tough situation right there. But uh, all I know is the Knicks have to do that, and you don't want to get another Derek Fisher situation. I don't want to hear more about a guy, you know, being out there messing with players' wives, players' girlfriends. It's it, it got ridiculous after a while. Too ridiculous. Him creeping around. That, that just doesn't make any sense. Speaking of creep, I want to take a break. 516-900-2278 is the phone phone number. Hit me up. Let me know what you think.
We're back. Sports Social with Ed Easton, 516-900-2278. We're talking New York Knicks right now. And uh, that was basically, uh, I think that kind of summed up Derek Fisher's uh, Knicks career. I don't know. People could agree with me, disagree. I feel like that's how you accurately uh, describe what he did, allegedly. Or now we know for fact, especially with the whole Matt Barnes situation. But hey, what do I know? But the other big issue that I feel like, and this is how I'm going to finish off my New York Knicks segment, the guard position. Oh, the guard position, because that's a very important position now in the NBA, especially at point guard. Every team needs to have a good point guard now. We cannot go into games where our matchups are Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Tony Parker, Russell Westbrook, Isaiah Thomas, the million different point guards that are out there that are so good in the NBA right now. And we're matching up with Jose Calderon. That's, that's who we're throwing. We're throwing Jose Calderon at these players. I don't want to hear about assist to turnover ratio when he has he averages like four assists a game. I don't want to hear that. That's that's when it becomes ridiculous. When they say, "Oh well, he has this crazy, you know, his assist to turnover ratio is so great." It, it doesn't matter. He's averaging under ten points, and the guy is not averaging over five assists. How is that possible? And I heard, "Oh, maybe it's the triangle offense," and it just—it's all a mess. It's a mess. I've seen games with Calderon on the floor, you know, outside of the game winner he hit against the Lakers. Yes, the Lakers. Where he just looks lost on the court. Like, he's like, why am I here? You brought in a point guard that it doesn't, he doesn't fit this style. I never understood that. I'm not saying Raymond Felton was better, but... No, I am saying it. Raymond Felton is better. I'm saying it. As much as we wanted to run Raymond Felton out of New York, whether it was the gun charges or his situation with his now, I think, his ex-wife, he was still a better point guard than Jose Calderon. So where did we upgrade? Where was the... I don't understand what the, the fascination with him was. So we make a draft pick. I was excited about Jerry and Grant because I saw him at Notre Dame. Thought the guy would be one of those, you know, one of those special point guards that we could get. So far, the guy's been below average. I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it at all. I mean, the guy can't make a jump shot. I think he has great ball skills, and he just, to me, he's like confidence. I don't want to give up on him yet, but it, it just didn't look great. And then Langston Galloway, who I was a real big fan of because I loved the way he played at the end of last year, kind of just disappeared. The guy has a lot of talent. He's shown that he has no fear, but what happened? All rookie second team last year, by surprise, a call-up from the D-League, 
and it just never his game just kind of just stagnant you know it just stayed right there Aaron Afalo when healthy I gotta keep saying that when healthy is a great two guard but the problem is he can't stay healthy consistently and the guy really doesn't know his role when Melo's on the floor when Melo's not there the guy's average of 20 a game easy so I understood this one thing I give Kurt Rambis credit I understood him taking him you know coming off the bench seeing if he's that extra spark they need in the second unit because Derek Williams is inconsistent I'm not gonna talk about the forwards today but I'm just talking about the guards and do I need to talk about Sasha Vujicic do I really need to discuss why Sasha Vujicic is on the team I'm just not going to discuss it. I'm just going to leave it alone. It, it just, it boggles my mind. And I named all these guards. And then we have brought up Jibber for that. For three, I think three games. Got into about two of them. That was it. I'm not going to kill them for not playing Jimmer as much. But Jimmer's a great offensive player. Defense, not so much. The guy was getting beat up by the guys I just named that I'm pretty much criticizing to heck. He was getting beat up in practice from what I was hearing. So that lets you know the different level of competition in the D-League compared to the NBA. As much as I, you know, clown like the Sasha Vujic is, I can't even say his name right without stumbling. The uh, Jose Calderones of the world, as much as I bashed him, they'll kill me 21 zip in a game any day. But still, if you're the New York Knicks, I'm talking from the owners, you know, the ownership, the uh, management perspective. If there are better guards out there, you gotta, you gotta really look. You can't just settle for okay, we got Jose Calderon, we're in the triangle, we don't really need a point guard that much. No, 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 no. This is a point guard-driven league right now. Russell Westbrook alone is better than all five of our guards together. I just, you can't really put, uh, I don't even know if you could put a real description on it because the guy's been incredible. I think he's up there with Magic Johnson with all-time triple doubles in a season. He's been unbelievable, and I really, really would like to see somebody make a move. I don't know what it's going to be. If it's in the draft, make it in the draft. I'm not going to go out and say, hey, you know what? Why not Marcus Page? I'm putting it out there. Second round pick Marcus Page. Get him for the cheap. Let's unload a guy like a, a Calderon. Let's unload him. I'm willing to start over. He's a shooter. You need a point guard that can shoot. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Like I said, you want a guy for cheap, I think he'll be available in the second round because I'm hearing that, you know, all these players are going to be first-rounders over him. I think he's a sleeper pick. Yes, there's a bias in that, but I still think he's a sleeper pick. And I also want to shout out the fact that that at the NCAA tournament is over, 
regardless of the fact that my North Carolina Tar Heels did not win the title, I did win the bracket pool for keeping a real sports. I just want to put that out there. So for those that are in the bracket pool, thank you for taking that loss. As I did say, I was going to finally, finally put you guys away and finally end Lincoln's reign of terror for winning this, this tournament all the time. Finally got the win. I feel good about that. In terms of prize, I'll let you guys figure it out. But uh, like we said in the air about probably a week or two ago, that Marcus Page deal is going to happen. Just a matter of time. Promise you. Promise you just a matter of time before that happens. Now, just looking back at the roster, away from the guards, because I think I've bashed the guards alone uh, enough. Derek Williams, another one of those players that you wonder why. What type of player are you? Are you going to be a guy that we can, you know, keep around? Or you, I don't know. Yes, you're a, you're a highlight reel when you're in open court. I get it. But can you win us a game off the bench? That's that's what I'm waiting to see. Clay Anthony early. Another guy, you know, he's, I feel like he's had two rookie years. It was horrible that he got shot at the end of December. But come on, you know, we, what do we have in you? These are a lot of question marks, man. Lance Thomas, before the injury, was a huge guy off the bench for us. I, he's a guy I want to see come back. Can play multiple positions, but you just got to stay healthy, of course. You know, Quinn, O'Quinn, oh I, I don't know what to do with him. All I know is for some reason we don't want to trade him. And then you got Seraphin, another interesting player. Just a lot of question marks. But uh, I'm going to leave the Knicks alone. Because if I do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep depressing myself and depressing you guys. The NBA playoffs, I believe, start in another week or so. Already the matchups are almost set. You're talking about maybe Golden State taking on Utah. The Rockets are still somewhat hanging around. They're hanging around. Took a tough loss against Dallas last night. Dirk Nowitzki always gets that team ready to play with Every time they try to get Dirk Nowitzki help, it, they never enough. It always comes down to Dirk. Houston is such a train wreck. But oh wait, let me actually let me say something about, about Dallas. JJ Barea. Where is where did this come from? JJ Barea, I believe, was the player of the week. This guy has been playing out of his mind lately. I just hope the Knicks don't try to sign him, but he's been playing out of his mind. I mean, it's to the point that Dur Darren Williams, you forget that he's on the team. And that says a lot. That definitely says a lot about how the team is going and 
it just Darren Williams career he's another one of those guys injuries just flatten them and it's a shame because I was I was a big Darren Williams fan when he was in Utah the Darren Williams you got with the Brooklyn Nets was a watered down version anyway that was the real Darren Williams The other big surprise that took place actually on Tuesday. The situation regarding. And I'm still like I said, I'm still a little confused by it. <laughs> the Golden State Warriors losing to Minnesota at home. That had to be one of the more surprising losses I think of the season besides the Laker loss. But it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of showing a, it's a bit of a scary situation if you are the Warriors because now this automatically puts you in that situation where you have to think about resting your players. Would you rest your players? These are the things. I, I think they should. At least my opinion. But hey, you know what? You're still going to keep getting those questions regarding whether the Warriors want to win 73 games. They have to win out. Tonight's game is going to be big against the San Antonio Spurs. I'm picking... I'm picking Golden State to at least tie the record. I just can't see San Antonio letting them beat them twice, especially with now the playoff positioning is in state is is in a um in question. I should say they still haven't clinched number one seed because of how good <laughs> San Antonio still is, regardless of their of the fact that um, Golden State had one of the best starts in NBA history. It just doesn't seem to matter. Just wow. But hey, we will see. We will definitely see. Once again, taking your phone calls, 516-900-2278. Going to have a uh, guest in the next couple of minutes or so. Mr. Anthony Chalute. He's going to be talking MMA, UFC. Find out what's going on with CM Punk. As well as UFC being officially allowed in New York City. That was always a big debate before. So we're definitely going to see where that's going to go. And uh, definitely much, much more. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton on Soundcast FM. Be right back.
Sports Social with Ed Easton. Once again, 516-900-2278. Just want to get into a little bit of these, a uh, little bit of news that's going around here. For example, today, I don't know if a lot of you are golf fans, the Masters tees off today. You got Jordan Spieth, Zach Johnson, one of the early groups out there. Masters is always a, a cool event. I, I believe no Tiger Woods because of the injury again. But uh, the Masters, 
in one of the uh, big majors in golf. And uh, it's going to be an interesting thing. Everybody wants to be with, you know, Jordan Spieth. They feel like he's going to win it. Um, I'm not, mm, I don't know. I'm not really sold on him. I think Zach Johnson has a good a good chance this year. You know, if Tiger Woods was in, I'd definitely be rooting for Tiger Woods. But tonight this year, um, he's actually going to be one of those interesting stories. Will Tiger Woods ever get back to the Tiger Woods of old before all the scandals and injury problems? Will that ever happen? That's the kind of stuff you worry about. Woods has always been uh, what pretty much one of the main the main draws for golf and not having him there regardless if he's good or not it kind of hurts ratings I mean he's Tiger Woods at the end of the day he's, he's the brand as much as you want to move on to the, the future the new golfers out there you're not gonna you're just not gonna match the the effective hype that Tiger Woods gave the sport it's not an easy thing to do But uh, we do have the caller on the line, and Anthony, you there? Hey, what's up, Ed? Hey, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, doing great. Um, now, obviously, there's been a, a lot of MMA talk, a lot of UFC talk, and you're the only person I know that follows it to the bitter end, no matter what. <laughs> you know, everything that's going on, man. So you got to just help me, like, let the audience know what's going on, especially in New York City. Is UFC officially allowed in New York? As far as I know from um, a couple weeks ago, it is uh, once again uh, legally sanctioned in the great state of New York. Wow. Now, here's my thing. Like, what was the holdup in the beginning with this? Because I, I think they, they were allowed to do it in Jersey. Like, what was the holdup with having this happen in New York? Um, basically, what it was, at one point when MMA was in its early stages, it started in New York. And then what led to it being... Uh, banned in New York was that there was a big push against it, uh, which was spearheaded by none other than uh, the former Senator John McCain, uh, uh, former Senator of Arizona, who was also a one-time presidential candidate who lost mm. to Barack Obama. But he likened uh, MMA to human cockfighting, and that led to a huge backlash against uh, MMA. But all, what was what's also funny with that is that um, his push against it let it to be more regulated and more um, uniformed and more, uh, I guess, it forced the UFC and MMA to clean up its act, basically. And then for, uh, from there, it got its popularity because it was able to be sanctioned in other states. And for whatever reason, New York was the last state to uh, sanction it, but it came down to one man, the former Speaker of the uh, Assembly, Sheldon Silver. He was in league with a uh, union based in uh, Vegas who had a grudge against the, um, the Fertitta brothers because uh, the Fertitta family, in addition to uh, the UFC, they own that. They also have uh, a hotel operation based out of Vegas, and they don't allow unions in their uh, Vegas hotel operation. And uh, the culinary union based in Vegas was not happy about that. Wow. So, okay. So that's a lot to deal with, especially with the fact that and I think that goes back to them. That's actually a good thing when you really think about it. As much as it was being 
you know, called like human cockfighting and everything. It mm-hmm. was good because it made the sport really change its practices and that it's getting like displayed on ESPN and all the different outlets are really, you know, paying more attention to it. I think it kind of helped it a little bit. Would you, would you agree with that? I, yeah, totally. Um, I would say if not for John McCain, what we know of MMA and the UFC now would not be possible as it is now. Wow, that's really interesting stuff, actually. So we might be seeing a uh, UFC bout in Madison Square Garden soon. Yeah, that's the talk. And uh, speaking of that, I was reading something that uh, for a possible match, we might see uh, CM Punk's UFC debut at MSG, which makes a lot of sense, being that he's a former WWE superstar. The name recognition will only just add to the hype of the event at MSG when it does go down indeed. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not we will see CM Punk finally in the octagon because we've been hoping to see him for a while now. Well, that actually leads into my uh, next question. Now, what is the holdup? I keep hearing the injury issue now, but it seems like what he signed back in 2014, I believe, right? Yes. Oh, yes. It's it's been it's 2016 now, and we're talking about he may not fight till 2017. I I haven't heard that, but I know he's had the, a bit of the injury bug, and then there was questions about uh, his opponent. I know he's had a few changes to his original, his first opponent in the UFC in uh, in his UFC debut because I've heard stuff about his potential opponents being injured. It's just been back and forth, back and forth. Um, hopefully, we do see him if the UFC went, if and when. Well, not it's not so much a question of if when the UFC finally does put on a uh, a fight card at MSG. Hopefully, we will see CM Punk. But I I'll just wait it out because i think it's, it's gonna happen sooner or later do you believe that he's the real deal or is this just a lot of um publicity if anything you know signing him from wwe like is he the real deal can he really hang in with those ufc fighters and actually become a champion well i know he came he has a martial arts background from what i understand i don't know how far he's gone into it but i know he's trained in martial arts before he got into the ufc and he's been doing it even more so as he's been preparing to uh, fight in the UFC whenever that fight happens, but it'll, it'll be interesting. I know I'll, I'll put it to you this way: I give him a better shot than I gave James Tony when James Tony fought uh, Randy Couture. <laughs> okay, yeah, James lights out Tony. Wow, yeah, that's a name. Um, that didn't work out too well. No, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. So, okay, we got that situation now for the um the Conor McGregor situation. Mm-hmm. He's gonna fight. He's gonna rematch. Is that is that what's happening here? Yeah, he's rematching against uh, Nate Diaz in UFC, I believe, two hundred. I think it's the main event for UFC two hundred. Mm-hmm. Or is it? Yeah, it's two hundred. Um, I I'm not really looking forward to it because I feel like it's gonna <laughs> be more of the same thing that happened with uh, Nate Diaz picking up uh, another victory over Conor. Hmm. You really think Connor's? You know, it's funny because just before that fight, Conor McGregor was such a a big talker, such a big you know draw on his own. Do you feel yeah. like he's he's another guy that's just overrated and he kind of just capitalizes off the publicity that he has been getting because of his antics? Uh yeah. I mean, he he earned his spot mostly through his mouth. I mean, he was winning fights, but if you look at his track record, uh, in the uh, I think it's uh. Featherweight division, yeah. The featherweight division where he won the belt from Aldo. Before his fight with Aldo, he only beat, as far as I know, one, maybe two people in the top ten of the featherweight division. 
You know, other people mm. have had to scratch and claw their way through the division. Case in point, Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar has, uh, in my mind, long earned a title shot, whether it was with Aldo or McGregor, for a while now, and he hasn't gotten that title shot for whatever reason. But with Conor McGregor, it seemed like he didn't have to do too much work to get his uh, eventual title shot. Okay, okay. So that's going to be an interesting match. You already have him. I'm losing in that. Now, in the women's division, this is where it's it gets a little funny because Holly Holm just lost the belt, obviously, that same night that uh, McGregor lost. What what does this mean for Ronda Rousey? Because like, now we were setting up for the rematch between her and Holly Holm. What happens now with Ronda? Like, she kind of lost money on this situation. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy thing. You know, this is what happens when you have uh, very talented, stable fighters. Anybody can beat anybody. It's the the football rule of any given Sunday, only you just apply it to the octagon. You know, Holly beat Ronda for the belt, then Misha beat Holly for the belt, and now, I don't know, do you have a rematch with Misha and Holly, or do you <laughs> put that off to the side for now and have Misha and Ronda square off one more time? It's it's a very interesting thing to see what's going to happen with the women's bantamweight title. I mean, it's I guess... Ver- it, we're in very murky waters right now. That's 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 the way I see it. Wow, I'm surprised. They, I guess they can't take a page out of the WWE just making a triple threat match, right? That would, that would be a huge draw. Uh, no, I don't think that would work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, now, Anthony, obviously you're such a follower of MMA, but you actually compete yourself, don't you? Or you do some type of training in regards to it? Oh, yeah. I've been training with uh, Tiger Showman's. I train with the, the school based in uh, Garden City. I've been training there for a little more than three years now. I've done, uh, I've done a Grappler's Edge tournament uh, in grappling which is submission wrestling. I've done uh, through Tiger Showman's. They do twice a year. It's called Challenge of the Champions, where I've competed in both kickboxing and uh, grappling. Uh, I I love it. Uh, I I love being able to challenge myself with uh, facing off against other skilled opponents. That's, That's the draw for me. Wow, that's good. I mean, that's that's good. Like I said, I give you all the the props in the world for anybody that does MMA because I am I am scared just watching it sometimes because <laughs> it's as brutal as it gets. But you know, hey, it's got a, It's definitely got its own lane. And uh, Anthony, thank you very much, man, for spending some time and talking to us about what's going on in UFC. Thank you very much, Ed. It was a pleasure talking to you as always. Hope to see you soon, my brother. Definitely, definitely, man. Take care. You too, man. All right, that was Anthony Chalute, definitely talking UFC with us. And, uh, it's you know, it is it is weird. Like, the whole Holly Holm uh, situation where she beat the, uh, the, the aforementioned um, Ronda Rousey, it kind of messed up the whole plans that they had for UFC. Like, Ronda Rousey, at one point, was the baddest woman in the world. And I'm not talking looks. I'm talking about just she can she could kill you, possibly, with, with her hands. And she still can, you know? The, she was doing modeling. She's doing all, all these different things. So a lot of people saying that she might as well just retire and go to WWE because that was the rumor that she would go to WWE. And I still think it could be out there. You seen what good has done for uh, Brock Lesnar to go back after leaving UFC. He originally started WWE, then went to UFC, became a champion, then goes back to WWE. It's just a draw. He doesn't have to be there the whole year. He does little spot appearances. I can see that being a pretty good situation for uh, for Ronda Rousey because she doesn't necessarily need to prove anything. I think this could be her last match coming up, whatever they have set up for her, whether it is against Misha or it is against Holly Holm again. But uh, they got themselves a, a bit of a situation there. 
And uh, I, you know what? I like Ronda Rousey. I like what she's about. But if she can figure out a way to get through this entire, uh, this entire just breakdown of this division, because she means so much to the UFC, and UFC knows this. And like I said, WWE is waiting in the wings just in case. Just in case. So we'll see. These, I, I'm always seeing little things done by both companies. And one of the things that WWE did was obviously changing the, the belt. Changing the belt for the WWE Women's title. It's not that Divas Butterfly belt. It's changing it to a real, legit Women's Championship for the WWE. And that kind of could be a draw for for a uh, Ronda Rousey to make that transition. I mean, CM Punk, I still never close the door on him returning. As much as the bad blood is between him and WWE, everyone's had bla- um, bad blood with Vince McMahon at one point. I mean, let's be honest, Bret Hart came back. If Bret Hart could come back after his brother dying in the ring, after being, you know, the, the Montreal screw job back in 97, anything is possible, I feel like. So I will never count that out from happening. But uh, it would be it would be interesting. Like very interesting to see how they do this. Will she accept it? Will she not? I don't know. It's always up to the the powers that be. I personally want to see it, but hey. We shall just wait. Wait and find out. But what we don't have to wait on, and that's more music. I'm gonna come back and uh, wrap the show up. But uh, definitely get into some more music. You're listening to Sports Social Ed Easton. Once again, number is 516-900-2278. We'll be right back. Regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steel if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the E. So I could get some phones, rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC, on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked a left on 21 and Lewis, some brothers shooting dice. So I said, let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said, what's up? Some brothers pulled some heat, so I said, I'm stuck. Since these girls peeping me, I'm gonna glide and swerve. These looking so hard, they straight hit the curve. Want a bigger, better thing? Than some horny tricks. I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix. I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself. I can't believe they taking Warren's wealth. They took my rings, they took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, Damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up and they all around. Can't none of them see him if they going straight down for power. They wanna come up real quick before they start to clown. I best pull out my and lay them busters down. They got guns to my head, I think I'm going down. I can't believe it's happening in my own town. If I had wings, I would fly. Let me contemplate. I glance in the cut and I see my homie Nate. 16 in the and one in the hole. Nate Dog is about to make some bodies turn. Now they dropping and yelling. It's a tad bit late. Nate Dog and Warren G had to regulate.
explode. Now I'm switching my mind back into freak mode. If you won't skirt, sit back and observe. I just left a gang of over there on the curb. Now they got the freaks, and that's a known fact. Before I got jacked, I was on the same track. Back up, back up, cause it's on N-A-T-E-N-E, the warrant to the G. Just like I thought they were in the same spot, in need of some desperate head. A Nate Dogg and the G Child were in need of something else. One of them dames was sexy as hell. I said, ooh, I like your size. She said my chords broke down and just sing real nice. Would you let me ride? I got a car full of girls and it's going real swell. The next stop is the east side motel. Classic joint Warren G. Regulate featuring Nate Dogg. Rest in peace, Nate Dogg, as always. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. And I'm uh, just wrapping things up. There's something that will always stay on my mind when, when you think about the opening of the new. This is like the opening. This weird time is like the opening of baseball, the ending of hockey, the ending of basketball in terms of seasons. You get everything. You, you basically get a little bit of everything. For every sport, the end of April, we're going to have the NFL draft. So everybody's out there getting their mock drafts together for that. This is a good time. It's a good time to be a fan of sports. Besides me, you know, always clowning the Knicks and beating up on some of these, these uh, organizations for some of their dumb moves. This is what we watch. This is the excitement that goes into this. At the end of the day, when I look at the NBA and I'm looking at the fact that you're going to have the Warriors and Spurs still fighting for the number one seed, and these teams are so much better than everyone else, like everybody else is second tier, without question. It's between the Spurs and the Warriors to find out who's going to win the title. I just don't think anybody else in the East, even Cleveland, can match up. That's my opinion. So I'm really looking forward to the Western Conference Finals because I do think I do think those teams will go through their conference tournaments pretty well. I know OKC and the Clippers are those two teams that could surprise you. So I'll never try to count them out, but in all likelihood, it will be. It real will. It will definitely be 
the Spurs and the Warriors, one and two. Having them two go at it, it's just good for the NBA. Then you look over on the NHL side, playoffs are about to start. I can't wait to start talking about that next week. Yeah, you didn't think I was going to talk about hockey. I'm going to talk about hockey next week when the playoffs start. I'm a Rangers supporter slash fan. I call this, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm fair when it comes to fandom. I've been following the Rangers, but I'm not that in-depth to it. Like, I'm not going to go in-depth and say, oh, I know this player, I know that player, as if I do with the NBA. But I do respect the Rangers, and I like the fact that they are in contention again this year. They're actually bringing winning to Madison Square Garden besides the Liberty. Liberty win two. But uh, Rangers having another decent year. They're going to be in the playoffs. So are the Islanders. So Brooklyn, you get to see playoff hockey as well. Since it won't be any playoff basketball. No Devils this year. Sorry, Stan. It's going to be fun. Season ends this Sunday for the NHL. And, of course, baseball. We still have opening week. People are still figuring things out, see what they got in their teams. As a Yankee fan so far, you know, one and one, not bad. You just want to split. I just don't want to get embarrassed. Game three today. That's a uh, four o'clock start. So I'm definitely going to look forward to watching that one. And uh, just like I said, just the different things going on and um, people just keep up with it. Hopefully not everything has to be a scandal. Not everything has to be a D'Angelo Russell situation, a Nick Young, you know, off the court situation. But hey, at this point, I've accepted it as being a part of sports. Now that we're in this open realm of social media, kind of just have to accept it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We'll be back next Monday. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. Have a good one.